Welcome to day 215 of Shaped by the Word. I'm Paul Kemp here with David Keefe and Matt Kresge. And we come to a really great Good Friday message one week away from Good Friday. But uh, anyway, as we move through the Gospels, we've often talked about uh, the Gospel of Mark uh, having three distinct panels. The first panel talks about the ministry in Galilee, where you see the actions of Jesus, you see the things that he does, the healings, his power over demons, his power and authority even over the wind and the waves. And then from there you have a slow move toward the city of Jerusalem, which is the journey to Jerusalem where his focus is on the disciples, preparing them for what lies ahead, calling them to the same kind of servant leadership that he will demonstrate when he goes into Jerusalem and, and dies on the cross. And it's a message they're not prepared to hear. We make the final turn in chapter 11 as we come today to Jesus entering the city of Jerusalem for the inevitable uh, conflict with the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, the Roman authorities, uh, but the exaltation on the cross and through the resurrection and accomplishing God's will and purpose for his life. So as we continue through the Gospel of Mark and we come to this final phase, one week after Easter and one week after Good Friday, still good to be reminded of the sacrifice of our Lord and uh, the purpose of him coming, fulfilling, first of all, the image of the servant before he fulfills the image of the reigning king. Mm. So as we turn to uh, chapter 11, let's do as we always do at this moment. Let's offer ourselves and this moment to the Lord. David, do you mind leading us? No, let's pray. And Father, as always, we do thank you for a few moments to come to your word. We ask now that as we turn to your scriptures, um, that we will be given eyes to see so that we can marvel at the wonder of Christ and that as we marvel at Christ, our hearts would be renewed and restored and our affections rekindled for him. And so, Father, thank you for meeting us where we are. We ask as we spend time in your word, we will be shaped by it in such a way that honors you and, and brings us joy as we follow you. We pray this all in the name of Christ. Amen. Mark chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. As he approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt inside the street, tied a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches uh, they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heavens. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing the distance of fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves who would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house 
will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priest and the teacher of the law heard this and began to looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. When evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. In the morning as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed is withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. I truly tell you, if anyone says to a mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart but believes what they have said will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. They arrived again in Jerusalem, and while Jesus was walking in the temple courts, chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders came to him. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked, and who gave you authority to do this? Jesus replied, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. John's baptism. Was it from heaven or of human origin? Tell me. They discussed among themselves and said, If we say from heaven, he will ask, Then why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, they feared the people, for everyone held that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We don't know. Jesus said, Neither will I tell you, but what authority I am doing these things. You have a wonderful uh, <coughs> completion. Uh, to the prophecy in Ezekiel or the vision of Ezekiel where the Spirit of God actually leaves the temple and God removes his presence from the city he loves and from the people that he has called his on and he exits over the Mount of Olives and you have a prediction at the end of Ezekiel where the Spirit returns to or God's presence returns to Mm -hmm. Jerusalem and here you have the fulfillment of that in part as Jesus comes over the Mount of Olives and rides into the city on a cult, fulfilling another prophecy. See, here is your king, humble and riding on a cult, coming into the city of Jerusalem. Of course, the first thing he does is examine uh, the temple and uh, exerts his authority over it You know, by driving out those who are, are buying and selling. So it's a beautiful picture of Jesus entering the city of Jerusalem as a king, but uh, his end will be uh, mm. quite different. Mm than that of a coming king. He'll be rejected, he'll be crucified, and as he's already told his disciples, spit upon, maltreated for the sake of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what a way for the king to ride in, right? I mean, you think of all the ways a, a king could could maybe ride in triumphantly into a city. I mean, you're probably not picturing on a colt or a donkey. I mean, you're, you're, no, you're absolutely expecting this not. massive parade. And, and, I, and I love the people's response because I think they're seeing somewhat of like they recognize Jesus as someone unique. You know, they see him as someone who is significant, but they're still not quite sure what this kingdom is actually going to look like. So you have these kind of images where, you know, I think it's in what, First Kings or Second Kings where, you know, when um, you know, the king gets appointed, you have the people laying down the palm branches. They see some of that imagery and that significance and they recognize, you know, Hosanna, blessed is one who comes in the name of the Lord. But I think they're still thinking, you know, too too small. They they think Jesus is just going to come and he'll probably overthrow local governments, yeah. and and they don't see the significance of what's really happening. And you see the images of Isaiah filling in every valley and making straight, you know, the pathway mm-hmm. for the coming of the Lord. So you have them, you know, building a pathway for the King to enter the city and to come into the city. And of course, the contrast would have been, you know, this is 
one of the few seasons of the year that Pilate would actually come into the city of Jerusalem. Yeah. And he would have come into the city of Jerusalem and show of all of Roman you know, regal power. He would have mm-hmm. ridden on a white horse that was a, you know, powerful in its you know, stature and its standing. He would have had Roman soldiers coming in before him, the standard coming in before him, Roman soldiers coming in behind him. It would have been a show of incredible power, but mm-hmm. the king who has all power comes in in the most humble way, uh, riding on a, a colt, which would be kind of an undersized you know, ride for, <laughs> for anyone, one that's never I been the colt rid- once, ridden yeah. on. <laughs> so you have, you have just this beautiful picture of humility, of course, which was, you know, uh, which was prophesied in the Old Testament. See, your king coming in humble. Mm-hmm. And a riding on a, on a donkey. Well, and even that, it's a borrowed one, right? Yeah. It's like it's not even Absolutely. his. He yeah. just borrowed it. Wow. Which is a fantastic little, you know, side story. Mm-hmm. You just go into the city, that you the first cult you see, untie it and bring it back out. It's never been written you, before. Yeah, yeah. And if people ask you what you're doing, just say the king needs it. And they're oh, okay. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. We'll bring it back. <laughs> it just makes me think of, I mean, laughing about like the cult, but. You know, the king needs this one. This this one? You, you don't want any of my better ones in yes, the back? Yes, our Lord you know, has need of it. The Lord it. has need. The, yeah. Lord, the Lord has need of. You know, How crazy. It's crazy. That someone would just say, okay, it's, it's, it's yours, you know, for the taking. And, and of course, they do have messianic Hosanna. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Lord saves. You know, blessed is the one coming in the name of the Lord. And if you go, you know, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, this is the coming king or the coming a uh, servant who will restore the fortunes of Israel, and you have that, you know, blesses the coming mm-hmm. the kingdom of our father David, which opens up the whole promise of the Davidic covenant, mm-hmm. and one reigning forever, you know, with mm-hmm. a heart after, you know, God, yeah. God's own heart. The love too, verse 11, you know, where it says Jesus entered Jerusalem and he went into the temple courts and he looked around at everything. And then it just kind of moves on to, but it was late, so he went back out. You know, but that prepares us for that next part where he, when he looked around and he saw everything, he saw the unfaithfulness and the unfruitfulness of the people, you know, and, and he sees the the improper worship that's taking place, and and that really sets us up for this next part where he curses oh, yeah. the fig tree and cleanses the temple. No, it's, it's because he looked around and saw everything, and I mean, he saw not just what was happening, but the condition of all yeah. of those things. And this is, you know, one of Mark's, you know, writing techniques is he puts two stories intertwined with each other, and they both speak you know to the other so we've seen him you know do this with the synagogue you know uh, ruler's daughter you know broken up by the the woman who had hemorrhaged for many years mm-hmm. touching jesus and then the healing of the daughter and here you see the the curse of the fig tree which was representative of israel and, and you see a you know what seems to be a very arbitrary king you know coming in there he was hungry it was not the season for figs but he still gets upset with the fig tree and of course, uh, the symbolism is not you know simply that the season has come for bearing fruit, but Israel has long received God's patience and has borne has borne no fruit. Mm-hmm. And we get that reminder as well in in verse seventeen, you know, and he taught them, saying, "Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all the nations? But you have made it you know into a den of robbers, which." You know, footnotes tell mention, you know, comes back to Jeremiah 7, you know, which is where Jeremiah is getting after kind of the false and the kind of worthless religion of the day. And I love it, this verse in this kind of bigger context. He said, will you steal and murder 
commit adultery and perjury, burn incense to Baal and follow other gods you have not known, and then come and stand before me in my house, which bears my name, and say, we are safe from all of these detestable things. Has this house, which bears my name, become a den of robbers to you? But I am watching, declares the Lord. Yeah. It's a lovely thing to see that kind of come full circle that's, back. To that's the contrast of um, living your life, serving other gods, uh, you know, having your affections captured by other things, and then coming into the presence of the Lord and simply, you know, going through the motions. And that's always the accusation of the prophets. Not only are you worshiping idols, but you're putting it right side by side with your worship of me, and you're going through the motions and your worship, your worship of me. And so you've reduced my house. You know, to, to not only something that's common, but something that's even worse than common, something that's deeply unclean. It's a it's a place of unrighteousness rather than a place of righteousness. And, and of course, the whole idea, it's a place of worship, uh, not just mm. simply for Israel, but for all nations. It should be a place that's compelling for everyone to be drawn to who I am and to know my name and to come and to cast you know their cares on me. And I believe they've taken this kind of temple court area, which was reserved for Gentile worship, and turned it into kind of this marketplace of the day, kind of excluding God's heart for the nations, or at least. Yeah, what are we, what are we doing way? with this large outer court for Gentiles? We don't yeah. need them here anyway. Let's, uh, yeah. let's see if we can make a profit. And uh, of course, nothing is further from the heart of God because from beginning to end, there's an invitation. Uh, you know, Abraham has been blessed to be blessed and so i mean to be a blessing so that all nations will be blessed through him and uh, of course that has come to a dead end in the way that they view the nations and in the way that they view the temple and in the way that they view uh, worship you know we see too jesus's zeal for you know true worship for the father's house i mean you just i love it, the chief priests don't miss it. They know exactly what Jesus is claiming in this moment because right in verse 18, the chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him. You know, it comes back to that whole, uh, I think of Jesus' statement, you know, they they praise me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Oh, yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. and they're being exposed and they know it. But what a contrast. You know, the whole crowd's amazed at his teaching. They don't understand rightly who he is yet. The chief priest knows what, they know at least somewhat of what he's claiming in this moment. You know, and rather than looking inward and seeing, man, is he exposing the dead fig tree you yep. know, or, or false you worship? Ha- yeah, and you have a, a nice, one of those nice little faith statements where Peter is saying, look, Lord, you yesterday you said, let the fig tree be cursed. And from the root, you know, it's, yeah. uh, Mark mm-hmm. you know, observes that it, you know, it was cursed. And Jesus said, uh, if you truly have faith, you can say, you know, this mountain be uprooted and cast in the sea and he's not talking about arbitrary youth of faith you know for our own purposes he's talking about how powerful faith is for accomplishing god's purposes and, and of course one of the purposes you see here you know is is the purpose of judgment but there is also the purpose of salvation and our salvation is far more powerful what happens in and through us when we come to christ is far more powerful than moving a mountain you know from the city of jerusalem to the nearest sea, which I believe was some 110 miles away, so it was, it was a, a good move. It was a big act of a, a big act of faith, and then the final movement, you know, in this panel, where did you get the authority to do these things? To come into our temple and to break down our system of commerce and to impose your standard of worship. Where did you get the authority to do these things? And of course, Jesus' question is, 
if you saw authority, would you recognize it? <laughs> you know, what about all the prophets you've killed? What about uh, John? Mm. I said, we, we, have, we have no idea. I said, well, then, if you don't recognize authority, do me very little good to tell you what true authority is, but he is about to show us mm. on the cross. Mm. All right, we've run, we've run out of time, and we still have so much theology to go, but um, as always, we hope we've just kind of introduced you to this and what's your appetite for this. Mm. And um, we've given you a couple of psalms for the weekend. We'll see you again on on Monday, we hope you'll uh, worship with us. Uh, you know, this week as we open back up the children's area, you do need to register before yes. noon tomorrow. Yes, if you're if you're going to do that, uh, because we have limited space. But we are looking forward to moving back toward normal. So uh, let's uh, let's close with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the true King, who doesn't need the trappings of royalty, but simply comes in humility. Uh, the one who has not come to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. We thank you that we are the benefactors uh, of everything that he is, everything that he has done. And we thank you for the grace that we find in him. And may we forever be in awe of your mercy, of your grace, and of your goodness to us. And may it shape who we are. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.